on digital radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Facebook. The Sportscast. Football in January. The Top 25 Rundown presented by The Sportscast. This is the Top 25 Rundown. And here's your host, Alan West. Good evening. Welcome to the Top 25 Rundown. Today is January 31st, 2024. This is sponsored by the Sportscast. You can follow us on X and all your major platforms at the Sportscast 1. We're also on DAB Digital Radio. If you have any questions, you can always go to our website, thesportscast.com. My name is Alan West. I am here with Jack of All Trades, Master of More Than Me, Mr. Bob Alvis. How are we doing, sir? We're well. How are you, sir? I'm doing better than last week, so you know what? I'm thankful. Just because last week, well, I think that's the first show I haven't done since I uh, started doing the show. So, my... uh, my Iron Man streak is now over. Start a new one. Exactly. I'm going to do my best to start a new one. That is correct. Just because, well, unfortunately at work I got injured. And I get to walk around with a lovely walking boot if I want to walk around anywhere in my house or anywhere, period. That and a walker. So... I wouldn't recommend it, though, but I can say that hearing uh, a bone snap, I've never felt that before. I don't think I ever want to feel it again. Yeah, it doesn't sound too appealing. Not really, unfortunately. But you know what? It is what it is. I'm thankful I'm here and thankful we can do this show. So before we get into college sports per se I don't know if you noticed but uh, the Jackie Robinson statue and I believe Kansas got vandalized did you hear about that much yes sir so apparently somebody some group thought it was a good idea to cut the statue down and then burn it so while I disagree with that happening because, I mean, Jackie Robinson was a trailblazer, not only in baseball, but he was a uh, highly decorated athlete when he was at UCLA as well, I believe. Yep. So to see that, that happened was uh, honestly a tragedy. So I saw that as of today, they already have gotten 140000 in donations, so... I'm looking forward to them being able not only to get the statue back up, but to, uh, I think it needs to be protected a little bit more, unfortunately, just because having that happen again, it's a shame that that could happen again in this nation, but protection sometimes can help. Yep. Now, uh, Normally, you and Tyler would be talking about head coaches. And, well, we heard today that Jeff Halfley, he's gone from being the Boston College head coach. He's going to be the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator. So who do you think is going to take over that job? You know, I I don't really focus on the coordinators as much. A lot of times what you'll see is a position coach We'll move up to the coordinator position. I can tell you this, though. From my talking to coaches at a, at a lower level in college, you know, everybody says being a coordinator is not as easy as you may, may hear it to be. So just because you're signing up to be a coordinator, they're not going to give it to any old yahoo. Um, but I would expect a lot of times that these coordinator positions are normally going to be filled by people already on the staff because you don't want to 
you don't want to break up the, you know, monotony too much. And a lot of times I think it's about who will play hard still for said individual. True. And I mean, the thing for Jeff Halfley, before he was at Boston College, he was at Ohio State for one year, and he had been an NFL defensive or a coordinator in the NFL for at least a position coach in the NFL from 2012 to 2018. So this is another way for him to go back. And I mean, what he did at Boston College was pretty respectable. I mean, he got them to bowl games every year, but I mean, some of the games they played, it just... It's a little rough. I mean, even for the ACC, but you know what? If you're able to be successful and then you get a chance to move up, you got to take it. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think any position to be even a coordinator is is a it's a high reputable position. And, you know, coordinators yeah. definitely do need to get the love because they're having to game plan for a whole side of the ball, essentially. So... But, like I said, a lot of times I think you're going to find, at least on the college level, when you don't have a, a major, major job, you're going to find a lot of times, I think, that, you know, the it's spot's going to be filled by a assistant coach who, you know, is not a dummy, obviously, because like we said, to be a coordinator, you got to have some, uh, you got to have some know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Very true, and... Uh... Then it's entertaining for that. Hopefully he has a longer coordinating job timeline than a former Boston College coach, I want to say Jeff Jagosinski. Yep. Where he did not make it through the offseason when he was hired. Well, and a lot of times, too, you know, assistant coaching positions are not the most secure thing ever in the world because if your head coach moves on, whatever way he moves on, normally the assistants are gone, are gone too. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be curious to see what happens at Boston College and uh, keep track of that. ESPN did an article about the college football coaching hot seat for this coming year. And so uh, we have Sam Pittman of Arkansas. We have Dave Aranda at Baylor, and we have Billy Napier at Florida as the three ones that are definitely on the hot seat. Then for the names to keep an eye on, you got Chip Kelly at UCLA, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Ryan Day at Ohio State, Kalani Sitaki at BYU, and then Pat Narduzzi at out of all those gigs, I think the one that should feel safest is probably Vanderbilt. Only been there like two or three years, I think. And, you know, that Vanderbilt job is not a job that is uh, desired by a ton of people. And if you can find a coach that can win at Vanderbilt, I mean, i.e. James Franklin, i.e. Uh, Derek Mason, you know, you hang on to those guys until it just becomes you can't have them anymore. But, I mean, you know, James Franklin did good things with Vanderbilt. I think Derek Mason did good things with Vanderbilt. Um, so, like, I would I would pump the brakes on Vanderbilt if it was me. Well, the only thing is right now for Lee going into year four, he's 9-27 and overall with just two wins in SEC in 24 SEC games. Vanderbilt. True. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, Chip I, Kelly, I all I'm the ones you mentioned, Alan, don't, don't mean to interrupt. I would think Napier is probably the hottest. Um, you know, I'll get your take because you're closer to the situation than I am. I say this like you're in the meeting rooms at Ohio State. But uh, for Ryan Day, how hot is the seat? Well, here's the thing. You saw that uh, uh, Gene Smith just retired at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And they brought in the Texas A&M athletic director. And what was one of the last things the Texas A&M athletic director did before he left Texas A&M? Got rid of Jimbo? Exactly. So, if Ryan Day doesn't do more than he did this year, it's quite possible 
he could be gone. Would you want Ryan Day out? I really think it'll happen, but it's possible. Would you want him out? I don't know if I'd want him out per se, but there's one game that he needs to win that he hasn't won in the last three years. Sure. And let me be devil's advocate real quick on that to cut you off because I asked the question. Now I'm going to interrupt. But, I mean, you know, James Franklin can't beat any of the big teams in the Big Ten. And, you know, you don't hear about a hot seat for him. That I think that what that says is the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is so beyond comprehension, and it's such a huge thing that if you don't – you could go almost, you know, undefeated. But you lose that game. And we're having this discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true, but growing up, I dealt with John Cooper being the coach at Ohio State, and right. he went 2 10 and 1. So for him to survive as long as he did at Ohio State, and then watching Trestle and Urban have their dominance. It's a little frustrating seeing how Ryan Day has not been able to rise to the occasion. What's the one thing I always say about firing coaches? Do you know? I don't remember, but I'm going to let you say it again. Okay. If you are going to fire somebody, you better have somebody in mind that you're going to hire. And you better have a list of three. And one of those three is going to say yes. Because if not, I think it gets to be silly season and – you know, I mean, if you're Ohio State, Ohio State's a big job. I mean, top top ten job in the country at least. You gotta know. I mean, you you can't have not have it be an embarrassment to where it's. It, I I don't think you can say. I wonder if this guy would take the job. You better know. True, and I mean, I don't think that they're gonna let Ryan Day go, but I would like to see him not lose that one game this coming year. He's on the list. Fuel my honest opinion. Huh? I think I'm. I think it's semi absurd that he's on the list. It is. It is. I mean, he's. I mean, he's won a lot of games. Otherwise, he is. We fifty eight. And fifty six and eight overall. You don't normally do the coaching thing with me, but who who do you think should be on the list that's not? I don't think Brian Day should be on the list. I definitely think. But who do you think should be on the list? Huh? Who should be on the list? Billy Napier definitely not on the list. Uh, Pardon? Who isn't on the list? That should be. That's a good question. But the other thing is, for this article that ESPN did, they also have a few other names that are on retirement watch. Because let me let me read you the rest of these names that they have on here. You've got Mac Brown for retirement, Kyle Whittingham for Utah retirement, possibly, and Kirk Ferentz. And then... Here are the ones with the group of five that they have on the hot seat. You got Will Hall at Southern Miss, Mike Houston, East Carolina, Stan Drayton Temple, Mike New Ball State, and Don Brown at UMass. I mean, I'm going to have to beg to differ with the list on a few of these people, but. Sure. You know, like, I, I think Don Brown being on the list from UMass, what are you going to get? I mean, if, you, if you're – some of these people that are on the list, to me, if you have them on the list, why? Is it because of wins and losses? Is it because you don't think they recruit or can recruit? I mean, what's, what's the reason for them being on the list? You know what I'm saying? And I'm not expecting you to answer that necessarily. But I think that's one of the big questions to me is, how do you get on this list? I mean, 
I know why Billy Napier is on the list. I don't need I don't mm-hmm. need explanation on that. Um, you know, I know why Ryan Day is on the list. I don't need explanation on that. Um, you know, I if you to me if and and Tyler would vehemently disagree with me, and I'm not saying this guy should be on the list, but if you're putting some of these people on the list. How can you not put James Franklin on the list? Because James Franklin can't win a top 10 game. Well, the reason why they won't put him on the list is because Penn State can win all the games that aren't important. But they're important to the people in Happy Valley. Yeah, but the thing is, you got to remember, when James Franklin was hired, I actually talked to the Penn State fan about this. Mm -hmm. He was a minority hire. And he was taken over after Bill O'Brien left to go to the Texans. He's been there ever since. The funny thing was, right before he left, his final season at Vanderbilt, there was actually a sexual assault that claimed to happen with some of the football players. And he even admitted that he had lied in some testimony. And then he left Vanderbilt and became the head coach of Penn State. Well, let's make sure we have one thing really clear. I'm not saying James mm-hmm. Franklin's a bad coach. I'm not saying he I'm should not be fired. Bad coach, but yeah. the thing is, for him, when it comes to playing Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan, he gets beat like a redheaded stepchild usually. No, I understand. I understand the point here, but I'm just saying, you know, Penn State's aspirations are also pretty high. And I just don't understand, you know, I, I mean, I, I think he shouldn't be on the list, but based on how silly this list kind of is, I don't understand how you don't put him on there. Well, I mean, that's how when I was looking at this list. What this list is talking about, it's basically looking more at wins and losses than anything else. So because of that, it's well, going to have some names. not looking for that, like Ryan Day. He's on there because of Michigan not being able to be right. in the last three years. And because when he hasn't won a national championship yet at Ohio State. I mean, when I get you where you're going. Have on him. It talks about if he can not only beat Michigan, but if he can make the playoff and then depending on how far he can go in the playoff. Alan, I love you dearly. I get where you're going. I understand, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. But I'm just saying, you know, like from a win-loss record, you can't put Ryan Day on the list. You're putting Ryan Day on the list because he can't beat Michigan. Agree. Understand 100%. James Franklin cannot win a top-10 game. You don't hire people at Penn State to not win top 10 games. You know, I, I hope James Franklin and Ryan Day both can continue to support their families through their current jobs unless they want to leave. I mean, this is not a Bob hates James Franklin or Bob hates Ryan Day discussion. Um, you know, I don't if, – if Ryan Day – I think both those guys have done enough at their current schools to leave on their own recourse. I'm not an Ohio State fan like you are, so I can't comment on the Ohio State-Michigan thing and have the same passion that you do. I can tell you this. The Ohio State-Michigan game, I think, has opened up now. And if Ryan Day has trouble beating more multiple times, then we've got an issue to talk about. But, you know, I mean, let's be honest here. When we say Ohio State can't beat Michigan, I understand the rivalry. It's not saying, like, Ohio State can't beat Purdue. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> Michigan is a very good football team that a lot of people are going to have trouble beating. But it's just like, you know, to get it localized for my folks in Virginia, if Virginia Tech can't beat Virginia, you got problems. If UVA can't beat Virginia Tech, you got problems for that person. So Ohio State, Michigan is just like UVA and Virginia Tech times 100 million. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about that at all because it just 
in some ways it's like apples to oranges just because right. it's how some of it is. And it just is frustrating, but just seeing how some of the uh, situations happen, it, it just, it's frustrating just because your, your, your expectations for different coaches. Right. You're watching as where, like you're saying for Franklin, you expect him to do a lot more. Right. But unfortunately, you're only seeing him being an eight or nine win coach most years. And whereas when Joe Paul was there, they would try to do a lot more. But with Franklin there, you know he's going to win the mediocre games. When it comes to the big games, it's not usually going to happen. And one thing I think I need to uh, say, and I'm, I have a feeling you're going to agree with me, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth. If you beat Iowa, if you beat Wisconsin, if you beat you know Michigan State, whoever, and they're ranked in the top 20 or top 25, if they're between 11 and 25, that's not a bad win. That's a really good win. And I mean, I don't know what Franklin's road record is, but I've got to imagine he's the only games that he's not winning are the Ohio State and the Michigan games. And Michigan State, but yes. Yeah. Well, actually, this year I think they did better against Michigan State, but I mean, usually against the higher tier, it's a lot harder for him to win. He tries. I'll give him that. But the thing is, I, I've got a friend who I talk with a lot, and he is a diehard Penn State fan, and he. He has professed his non-love for James Franklin many times to me. Let me ask you one question here real quick, and then we can sure. change subjects if you want to. Um, I, I want Alan West here. I don't want ESPN's list. I don't want anything other than Alan West. What okay. criteria would have you put somebody on the list? Wins and losses or recruiting? And by recruiting, I mean out of high school or the portal. I mean, I think they probably go together, you know, in a way. But I just want to hear your take. They do go together, but the thing is, a lot what a lot of people are going to look at are the wins and losses more just with how, like, if you're able to go from six wins to nine wins and go higher, depending on which conference you're in, it can make a huge difference. Sure. A lot of teams, like, they will use the recruiting and transfer portal some know how to do it, some don't. And because of that, you just have to watch and play it by ear, which is part of what we're going to talk about next because, uh, well, the NCAA, they're getting blasted again by Tennessee. I don't know if you saw that uh, yep. little article that came out. I did. Did you see that? the NCAA has been sued by not only the Tennessee Attorney General, but also the Virginia Attorney General? Yeah, I mean, you know, the NCAA gets, I don't want to say they get sued all the time, but, you know, I don't I don't pay attention to the NCAA lawsuits as much because it seems like it happens more often than not. Um, I mean, here, here's a great example of the NCAA's ineptness, in my opinion. James Wiseman, who was recruited by a booster, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. his coach, Penny Hardaway, because Hardaway, if I'm not mistaken, gave uh, Wiseman's mother money to move into an apartment. Makes him a booster right there. Mm -hmm. Penny A. should have known better, in my opinion, 100% on that. But yeah. then you recruit the guy. The guy is a five-star, top five player in the nation, probably top two. And it's, I want to say suspended for the first, I can't remember if it was seven or 13 games at Memphis. Memphis sues uh, the seven, NCAA. And then basically Memphis kind of, I don't want to say thumb their nose at the NCAA, but like, oh, we'll show you. He's going to play anyway. So like, you know, I mean, I, I don't feel like the NCAA, I don't know if I should say the words, I don't feel like they're taken seriously, but I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, the I think my opinions of the NCAA are well known on this thing, but you know, yeah. Well, Bob, simply put, the NCAA is a joke. No backbone and to me. Huh? No backbone. Yeah, their backbone has not been strong 
And since Emmer just left, it's even worse now with Baker because in the article that ESPN wrote, because uh, on Tuesdays about the NCAA was investigating Tennessee and the ball club and then a collective run by Aspire Sports Group, it's because of their uh, five-star quarterback, Nico Imaleva from California, and his NIL contract. It's one of the deals that seems scrutiny. Tennessee Ch- Chancellor donned a plum skating letter to Baker shortly after school officials met with NCAA representatives to discuss the allegations earlier this week. She said leaders of collegiate sports owe it to students and their families to act in the best interest of clear rules, and the NCAA is nowhere close to providing that. Instead, two and a half years of vague and contradictory NCAA memos, emails, and guidance about name, image, and likeness has created extraordinary chaos that student-athletes and institutions are struggling to navigate, she wrote in a letter released Tuesday. In short, the NCAA is failing. Now, the thing about Tennessee doing this, do you remember when I read that article uh, earlier this year about the lawsuits that the NCAA is dealing with. Right. The reason why this is important is because the NCAA, remember how they tried to get immunity against these lawsuits and court said no. It's because right now the NCAA, they're good at writing checks that they can't cash. And the best example of it is Jim Harbaugh. Yep. Because, Michigan's going to get blasted. They're going to probably have to vacate the title. Even though Baker said, yeah, they they wanted fair and square. Yeah, okay, sure. We'll see about that. And also the sign stealing. He's the only coach in history that's been suspended twice, multiple times in one year. During a season. I mean, Michigan... The NCAA has been just kind of giving them a slap on the wrist. And so with Harbaugh leaving, Michigan's going to be suffering some penalties. And it's not going to be part of the players' faults there. Because I had sent you an article earlier this week. Did you read that article? I believe I did. Do you remember how I talked about some of the different uh, indiscretions that Michigan had, including – I believe it was an assault by Taylor Lewan. Right. And I mean, the NCAA, they've been a joke. And so seeing how it's about to be, Michigan's going to pay for it in some ways. And I think that they're going to have a lot of those ones vacated. The title's probably going to be vacated. And there's going to be other issues that are going on. But the NCAA, because, like you said, they have no backbone, they're going to basically uh, kiss Michigan's butt as they're doing the penalties to try to make them as uh, punishable as possible. But see, one thing I think is I think it's stupid when you get into stuff of we're going to vacate wins or vacate championships, because even if someone cheated or whatever happens, you can't erase somebody's memory. I mean, you know, last time I checked, Michigan won the national title game, not Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Chrysler Arena, a years back, Michigan had that banner they're, they made the Final Four. I, if I'm not mistaken, the banner got taken down. For the Fab Five, yes. But I don't know about you. Well, you – I don't know. where You you were a, a young – I, I know about it, Bob. I know about the Fab Five. Right. No, I, I wouldn't – I know you know about the Fab Five. I was just going to say you were a young when the banner was probably taken down. But anyway, the whole point of the story is if you – I mean, Alan, you, you've lived many years in terms of – watching sports, can anybody do that men in black thing to where they put that flashy thing up, punch it, and you lose all your memory? Or did Michigan win a national title? So, like, I, yeah, that's I where... Agree. I agree yeah, with I you, mean, Bob, but the thing is, the NCAA, that's what they're going to try to do. 
That's right. what they did for Ohio State with the tattoo scandal. Right. When they had to get all those wins. <clears throat> I mean, you're going to see the NCAA try to flex their uh, non-existent muscles for the time being. Oh, yeah, they're going to find them money, but it just it doesn't matter anymore because right. you're going to start to see, like we talked about, the NCAA is going to – they're going to get killed soon because it just – <clears throat> they had the chance to where they could try to control the NIL. They had the chance to where they could be stronger and make rules that were stringent to actually make things fair. Right. And they failed. And not only did they fail, they've made it to where if you don't do something that they like, whether it's been done the right way or not, they're going to punish you. And I think you were just reading that article or something to where you said uh, there is chaos going on with the NIL. Well, gee, you don't say. How could there be chaos going on with the NIL? I mean, like, for anybody to be surprised about that, to me, is just like, you know, that would be like me saying I'm surprised because the sun came up and the moon came up. Really? (laughs) I mean, like, you know, like, I don't understand how anybody is surprised that there is chaos with the NIL. I mean, you know, under no circumstance. How did you think it was going to work when you don't legislate it and put rules? I mean, we both have kids. If you say to your child, no cookies before dinner, then that means no cookies before dinner. If you don't say, you know, no cookies, and she eats 12 cookies, she didn't break the rule. You are an idiot for not setting it. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, so, like, when, when this whole, when they don't, like, set a rule and then they're surprised there's chaos, really? Well, I mean, that and think about it. In the last two or three years, they've been in front of the NCAA. The NCAA has been in front of Congress 10 different times already. Now, usually it's bad enough when you're in front of Congress at least once, but 10 times? Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's a joke. So they really need to get their crap together. It's not going to happen, but it would be nice if they did. So... Quickly, though, I do want to make sure that uh, I want to make a mention for women's basketball today. We did have a uh, milestone today. Caitlin Clark jumped over Kelsey Mitchell to become the uh, number two all-time leading scorer in women's basketball history. So that is something that is very impressive, and we want to make sure that we congratulate Caitlin Clark for that. You know, I think, and I'm going to challenge you to do this, and we'll talk about it on a future podcast. Okay. Um, since women's basketball has been in existence, which I think is like since 1980, rank the top five people or teams that have brought the most attention to women's basketball. And I'm saying good attention, not like the Women's World Cup soccer team when Brandy Chastain ripped off her shirt, had on a sports bra. I don't know if that's good attention, but it was attention. But top five women's basketball players or teams that have brought attention to the game, and I guarantee you Caitlin Clark is in your top five. I think she's getting there now, yes. I would say Pat Summit, Gina Oriema. We'll go Tennessee and UConn then. Okay, we can say Tennessee and UConn. Um, For me, I would put Cheryl Miller. Yeah. So because a lot she of was so highly touted coming out of high school. Yeah. I would say um, either Candace Parker or Shamika Holsclaw for Tennessee. Well, we got you – know, yeah, I mean, I get where you're going. I just don't know if I can put them ahead of Caitlin Clark. Because, like I said, I lumped them in with Tennessee, and we already got Tennessee on the list. All right. So. Cheryl Swoops. I think Caitlin Clark dwarfs her at this point. Well, so far she has a title, and Clark doesn't. Mm-hmm. Swoops had teammates. I mean, I get where you're going. I, I'm not arguing with you on that. I'm trying to be devil's advocate just so we don't agree on everything okay. about it. Um, how about... Hmm. 
Now you're going to make me think a little bit, which is good. Uh, let's see. And, I mean, Rebecca Lobo was a big deal. But, again, I'm going to lump her in with UConn. I'm going to lump Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. go in with UConn just because UConn, I mean, in in 20 years or 30 years or whatnot, I don't know that we're going to be talking about Iowa women's basketball. I mean, we That's may true. because they may springboard on this. But, you know, ultimately, I don't know that we're talking. We're going to talk about Tennessee women's basketball. I don't want to say forever, but kind of. We're always going to be talking about UConn women's basketball. But after mm-hmm. Tennessee, UConn, and in my eye, Cheryl Miller, I, I mean, I'm sure you, somebody could find a four. I'm not, I'm not trying to get into an argument with somebody, but I just think Caitlin Clark is top five. I would say she is now definitely, definitely. Um... And let me say real quick, I'm not saying she's one of the five greatest players. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying five teams are people that have brought women's college basketball to more eyes than it would normal. And I think you got to put Caitlin Clark in there because you can't put Iowa. You can't not say Iowa because if Caitlin Clark wasn't Iowa, you know, I mean, you talked about Holdsclaw. You talked about um, who else did you, you said somebody Parker. else who? Candace Parker. Parker. I mean, you know, with all due respect, Tennessee is probably still getting attention if Holtzclaw and Parker aren't there because Tennessee has a rich tradition. UConn is probably still getting uh, tread without Lobo, Bird, or Tarazi. Because you got to think, I mean, without Lobo, Bird, and Tarazi, there's probably another Lobo, Bird, and Tarazi. Maybe not as good, but somebody that's impactful. Same thing with Tennessee. Right, I got one for you, Bob. Go for it. Brittany Garner. That's up there. Yeah, you're right. That's a good one. So, I mean, you could use her or um, Skylar Dickens is another one. I don't know who that is. She was at Notre Dame. Right. But, I mean, I know who it is. But, you know, like, I think more people are going to know Caitlin Clark over Skylar Dickens. Yeah. So. Or, uh, let's see. Anita Beard. I think that's her name. Or is Alana Beard. Sorry, Alana Beard. Right. You think that's her name? And, and Alan, I have great respect for you. But if you're saying you think that's somebody's name, you know Caitlin Clark's name. You don't have to think that's her name. I think more people. Only because she's playing now, whereas Alana Beard was a Duke. Sure. And I'm just having to go back and think. Because I, I want to think she was back in uh, 2005. Right around there? Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I just don't think it holds a candle to Caitlin Clark, though. But That's fair. I mean, Caitlin Clark, the way that she is, the other thing is with how the NIL is, she could have gone in the WNBA draft, but instead she stayed. Because, to, I mean, she's making more money at Iowa than she would be in the WNBA. Sure. And, I mean, she definitely has been able to – because of the NIL, she's able to leverage a State Farm commercial, yep. and she's able to do other things to where before players couldn't do that. I mean, I've got an example for you, Bob. Go for it. Do you remember when Boise State beat Oklahoma in the bowl game? Yep. When Zabransky did the Statue of Liberty play? Yep. And then Ian Johnson proposed to his girlfriend. Yep. The cheerleader. Yep. They weren't allowed to accept gifts because it would have been an NCAA violation. Whereas now, if that happened, they could accept anything they wanted. Right. I mean, times are changing. Sure. And whether it's good or bad, when there's no control over it. Now the NCAA is kind of like, hey, uh, yeah, we screwed up and now we're going to catch up. Yeah. But, but yeah, I would say you were right. Caitlin Clark is definitely a generational player. Right. I'll give you that. But I'm curious to see how that's going to uh, make her when she goes to the WNBA. I don't think it, I don't think it really does anything. 
a lot of great players have gone on to the WNBA. And, I mean, I don't know what you want. And I'm not saying you, but I don't know what people want. Like, you know, you want a million-dollar WNBA player? I mean, do you, what do you want out of somebody that's going to the WNBA? Because, you know, I can tell you this. I'm a fan of women's sports, but a lot of people are still going to take men's sports every day of the week. And that is not only at a college level, that's at a professional level, that's at a sport of any anything, like even a single sport, like a tennis or a golf. I think people are always going to, uh, if they had the option, go for the men over the women. And don't want to get onto the soapbox or anything, but, you know, women don't get paid what men do. And I don't think Caitlin Clark is going to be able to change that because... Yeah, she's good, but, you know, I mean, if you're putting 10,000 more, uh, you know, clicks on the TV, that's good. But, I mean, it's only 10,000. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's enough to significantly move the needle. Well, I can tell you that uh, one of her players who was uh, drafted to the WNBA – Monica Susano, she didn't even make it through training camp right. before she was cut. So, I mean, I'm just curious to see how it's going to go because you know that they have the WNBA and then people play overseas, although most people I don't think we're ever going to play in Russia anymore just after what happened with Griner. And they won't blame them. Right. This is. I mean, the the reason they're doing these things overseas is the reason why I have to do all the side work of sports announcing in addition to my regular job because I need money. And, I mean, I don't, you know, whatever my lifestyle is, that's, you know, nobody's business but my own type of thing. But, like, same thing for women's basketball players. I mean, to accommodate their style of living or their lifestyle, they got to, you know, play more than just a WNBA season. I mean, it's definitely a lot different than how it was even for the NFL back in the day. But it just, it's seeing the transition and just what comes up. Because when you're watching different sports, you'll see how people have their regular contract and they have their endorsements and just seeing how that is. And watching that even for the NCAA now, it's... uh, I don't want to say complicated, but it's more without control. You're seeing it be a loose cannon for a lot of teams. And by the way, I know I always talk about uh, how I play my immaculate grid. They have one for women's basketball. I'm not even good enough to touch that one. Maybe I can get really? one or two if it's like Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi. But my, my women's basketball knowledge, when you get to the professionals, is very limited. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people because, you know, everybody loves their college, their college team, their old, their alma mater, so on and so forth. But I think at the end of the day, if you say name two teams that XYZ has played for, I think a lot of people have problems doing it. Let's see. Did you do that? Women's basketball? Yes. No. I told you I don't do women's basketball. I'll make an absolute fool of myself. It's challenging enough for me to do hockey. Let's see if uh, I watched up. one year of hockey when I was a teenager. Imagine if I watched two years of hockey. Man, I'd be like a juggernaut. Let's see. Trying to see if I can find that one for women's basketball for today because I may be able to answer it. Let's see if I can. Let's see. Played for the New York Liberty and the Minnesota Lynx. I just don't know anybody who plays for two years. 
You know what? I'll let you look that up right now while I uh, check on. I got two. All WNBA. That's what I was able to take care of. So what was it? WNBA was New York Liberty. I took Rebecca Lobo. And then Los Angeles Sparks, I took Lisa Leslie. Detroit Shock, which is merged into the Tulsa Shock, which then became the Dallas Wings. I got nobody. Okay. Uh, I would say try Katie Smith. Nope. Hmm. Detroit Shark, you say, right? Hey. Try Teresa Witherspoon. I know she was in New York, but uh, for some reason, I think that she was there as well. Nope. Well, I know she's there for the Liberty, so. We already got the Liberty. And what are the other ones? Uh, well, we got the Liberty and we got the Sparks, but right now we've got four guesses left to fill out seven boxes. Obviously, we're not going to do that, but one that we can work on is the Detroit Shock, Tulsa Shock, Dallas Wings, who's been an all wnba -er. Hmm. Well, I mean, what are the uh, you said for those three teams? Oh. Anyone else was there? Um, name one player that's played for the Minnesota Lynx and the New York Liberty. Name one player that's played for the Phoenix Mercury and the New York Liberty. Name one player that's played for uh, Minnesota and LA or Phoenix and LA. And then we get into our shock. A shock in Minnesota or shock in Phoenix. Candace Parker, I thought, played for... Uh, I think Candace Parker played for the Mercury and the uh, L.A. No, sir. Hmm. We're not doing real well, by the way. And by we, I mean you. I did my two. Hmm. But see, that's the thing. Like, I don't even know. I mean, I'll give you credit. At least you're guessing on this. But I don't, I just truly don't know. Like, I mean, to me, one of the more famous WNBA basketball players that I know is Katie Feenster, now Katie Matera. No, she I didn't. I tell you a second team she played there. there. You what? Unfortunately, she did not do much in the WNBA, and she played for San Antonio. Yep. Her and Megan Frazee were there. Did she ever play for anybody else? Uh, I don't believe so. She only played for the Silver Stars. Now, every now and again, you'll find a um, one of the categories may be somebody who only played for one team. That can be very tough, but your mentality on that sometimes needs to be well, name like a rookie who's still playing there. But guess what? That's going to be everybody else's thing too. And as we have discussed many times before, the more rare the answer, the better. That's what you're shooting for. True. Okay. Trivia is not easy. It's really it's 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 a memory game of watching sports over the years, and you know, I think one way I get good at trivia is because I've got all these sports calendars. Sometimes when I quiz you in San Diego in our group chat, 
Um, I get just as good at stuff like that because I'm asking you the questions and my head is running about questions that I could ask or answers that the other guys would be good for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, you know, it's, I mean, and I'm so like, I have grid fever on trying to match up these two, these players that have played for two teams and everything. It's just got, it gets my brain thinking. I mean, I remember when I would watch basketball games, I used to watch it as an announcer when I was doing play-by-play for high school basketball on the radio. I could not watch a game just to enjoy it. It's the, It was the weirdest thing. But that's enough about me. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's interesting, though. The study of the brain is so interesting to me because I don't understand it, one. And two, how you determine something and think of something may be totally different than how I do it. So it's just like, I don't want to say it's weird to me, but it is kind of like, you know, we're all created differently and, you know, how you see something, how I see something may be totally different. Yeah, it's true. But no, that was just uh, something I figured I would try to work on with you, but we did good, did we? We did very good. So, <laughs> what did the answers they showed you after the fact? Oh, let me see. Let me go back to it. So the way it works is it gives you the most popular. Uh, Let's see. So the most popular person that has played for the Liberty and Minnesota was Natasha Howard. Okay. For Minnesota and LA, it was Simone Augustus. Okay. That's fair. For LA and Phoenix, it was... Carly Samuelson? Uh, For New York and Phoenix, it was Tina Charles. Okay. All WNBA most popular for New York was Sabrina Ionescu. Ionescu. For LA, it was uh, Lisa Leslie. And Minnesota in the shock, Natasha Howard. Okay. But I think the shock have become the wings, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Phoenix yep. and the wings slash shock, Skylar Diggins Smith, and all, <laughs> all WNBA was uh, Ariki Agun Bowell. Agamike. Yeah, her too. But it also gives you all the answers for them. So, like, for that all WNBA for the Liberty, there were nine choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weatherspoon, I know Teresa Weatherspoon was one yeah, of them. Weatherspoon, Lobo, Tari Phillips, Becky Hammond, Cappy Poindexter, Tina Charles, mm-hmm. Epiphany Prince, Sabrina, and Brianna Stewart. Okay. So it's a fun little game. I think, honestly, you improve your knowledge um, just by seeing, you know, like, you know, Players, because like I said, the name of the game is rare, but at the same time, you want to guess people you know too. Even if they're not rare, I mean, for me and other people, we're trying to play the game to where we can go as rare as possible. It's not, it's yeah, it's about getting them right, but you know, if we don't get under a certain score, we get mad. I believe it. And by we, I'm talking about me and Nick Pierce when we play baseball. What did you guys get today? Uh, I don't remember what he got. I got like 118, and I got all nine right. But if I get all nine right and don't get below 100, I get upset. Mm. Not to like where I'm throwing things around the house upset, but like, you know. I have a self-talk with myself, and it's not very nice because I'm like, Bob, you idiot. Why'd you put him type of thing? 
Yeah, I'm looking at what they have right here, and but I've got a friend out there because I always send him my NBA, and he's like, you know, hey, that's really good, and I'm like, some days I know it's not good, but like, I'm also the weird guy that's putting like, you know, people that played in the '80s because I saw him on a home video of dazzling dunks and basketball bloopers or whatever, and it jogged mm. my memory of, oh yeah, he was in the league. As opposed to where you don't want to guess, like, you know, Charles Barkley for everything because everybody knows Charles Barkley. But, you know, people might not know Kenny Smith. Well, that's a bad example. But people might not know, you know, Matt Bullard, who played for the Rockets when they were in that heyday. So, like, you know, those are the names. But, like, you know, your your Barkleys, your Shaqs. Anybody that's been relevant as a player or on TV, I think is harder. Because how many people do you hear on TV talk about, you know, well, when I played here and when I played there, I mean, all you need to get is two teams that are different. True. And I mean, uh, if I recall right, Matt Bullock was one team. Uh, Matt Bullock was two. Uh, he played for the oh, Rockets what? and I want to say the Pistons. Um, but let me check on that. I know he played for two. Some reason I remember, I thought it was one T from Bullock. Bullard. Uh, Bullard played for the Rockets, the Hawks, and the Hornets, so I was wrong on Detroit. So see, that proves I don't know everything. Because there's there's a lot of times where I guess somebody, and the the worst thing is when I guess somebody, and they didn't play for either of the teams I guessed them for. I'm like, gosh, hmm. how could you? <laughs> All right, so uh, for women's basketball, looks like actually uh, Brittany Griner's jersey is going to be retired by Baylor. LSU has was number nine, but they've had their second straight loss. And uh, Kansas State this last weekend, they uh, were number two, and they lost to Oklahoma. So right now they're still number two, but that could uh, change in the next day or two. Whereas when you're looking at men's basketball, I know you didn't really watch basketball this weekend. I'm not going to hold you to your thought, but I saw UNC was stunned by Georgia Tech. Right. Final seconds because... The North Carolina play was fouled, but the refs never called it. I'll tell you so, what, every I feel like every day I'm getting an alert on my basketball on my sports app of saying top top ten team got beat, top ten team got beat. I'm like, man. It it happens so often in basketball that, you know, like I don't want to say the rankings mean nothing, but like, you know, I mean it's so hard, I think to me. And this is what I don't think enough people understand about sports. I think it's so hard to win on the road. Yeah. Now, uh, I see that Tennessee lost to South Carolina late three-pointer. And then Izzo got his 700th win on his birthday against Michigan. Well, nothing says happy birthday like beating the rival. Well, then, from having 700, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, like, if you look at it, there's a lot of team, there's a lot of people, and you don't beat the rival for a, a monumental win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, this week... Old Dominion scoring leader Boston Alette, he got dismissed from the team for conduct on becoming of a monarch. He was uh, second in the Sunville Conference in scoring. And he was leading the monarchs in rebounding assists and steals. But.
you got to be pretty bad if you're getting dismissed from the team during the season. Yeah. And it just, it's disappointing to see something like that, honestly. I 100% agree. I mean, you know, you've got to think most of these guys are not going to be getting paid to play at the professional level. So you really got to focus on the things you can focus on. And, you know, so many people get, um, you know, like you said, Alan, I think hit the nail right on the head. You got to do something pretty bad to get dismissed during season. I mean, Old Dominion is probably not going to make the NCAA tournament as it is, but if you've got your leading score, rebounder, and assist player, and he's having conduct unbecoming of a monarch. Yeah. I know this guy's the assistant coach, but, I mean, he took over. He's now the head man, and, I mean, if he's saying it's bad, and he's been there for a month now. He's been the head. He's been the head man there for just over a month since uh, the ODU coach had the heart attack while battling cancer. So he's going to stay away for the rest of the year. Obviously, he's been seeing that the score had started the first eighteen games, and they took him off the bench. He, I guess, was not a fan of coming off the bench, so decided he was going to throw a fit. And well. If you're going to throw a fit to your coach about that, well, he can say, yeah, you're gone. Goodbye. Yep. It's a pity, but. Most people know the rules, though, before everything starts. There's normally not a surprise on rules. So when people break the rules, it's not that I don't feel bad, but, like, you know. It's not like you got every page of the rule book except the rule you broke. Normally, that's not like on the back page and fine print underneath, you know, everything. So, Well, I mean, the only reason why I knew it's on that is when the coach says unbecoming of a monarch. Right. I mean, you've heard a lot of people getting suspended for stupid stuff. But when you're hearing the head coach say that, yeah, and this guy is like you're – so, even though he's a freshman, he's technically the leader for the team. And if you're going to not be a role model or be someone who's going to try to do something that's going to help the team, yeah, sure, he may catch on somewhere else, but it's not as bad as a few years ago, the uh, player who was going for the three-pointer and got hit in the face. Right. And that guy got thrown out of the league and the team – I mean, it's not as bad as that, but still, it's not. It not only embarrasses Old Dominion, but it just makes it so people are like, oh, well, why would we want to go there yep. if we can have a player like that? Right. I applaud the coach for saying get out, but the question is, is it too little, too late, or did something else happen? And they're finally just like, yeah, man, we're not going to take this anymore. Yeah, and, you know, stuff like that is probably stuff we'll never know. That's true. I mean, that's stuff that we find out after the fact in a lot of different things. Yep. But that's the thing that you notice a lot more in college sports than in pros because when it happens in college and it does get called out, it usually is a lot worse. Right. I mean, we just got to keep our fingers crossed and see how that goes just because – with the college football season, we got baseball, we got basketball right now, but we still have sports. We have uh, baseball, softball, lacrosse, just a few that are coming up. Yep. So, I mean, it's just uh, watching that and seeing what's coming, and then you see that the Frozen Four is getting ready to uh, – Come up in a little bit. Yep. So, I mean, just that and then gymnastics, it just, it's not a question of if, it's a question of what and just how it's going to be for everybody. Sure. 
Is there anything else you can think of tonight, sir, that I haven't tried to uh, question or look at so far? I think you've hit every dart on the dartboard, every target. Hopefully so, and uh, hopefully next week I'll be able to uh, enjoy the show more without enjoying the uh, boot and walker that I get to use, just because, well, if I if I showed you me walking around with a walker and a boot, I'm pretty sure you would be laughing kind of hard. I wouldn't blame you, but still, it's uh, a little bit different than my normal routine, but when you uh, snap a bone, you got to just roll with it and... Uh, I just say play the hand you're dealt. Sure. So if we were going to try to find you outside of here, how would we do that, sir? Uh, go to X, the sports buffet. All right. For me, if you were going to do that, which is dangerous, not as dangerous as Fallen Bob, but still, uh, you could find me at X at Allen F. West or at Facebook and Instagram at Allen.West.46. Next week, hopefully, we'll be able to have another guest on, whether it be uh, possibly Tyler Turner or possibly Chris Caravello, or uh, I may try to see about getting Jeremy Monaso back on like we did last year, see if we could uh, have him uh, either make a few picks or just discuss how basketball is. So just something to keep in mind. But once again, I'm Alan. That's Bob. This has been the Top 25 Rundown. Have a great week, everybody.